Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This is part 14 of our series, Take It Back, with a message entitled, Take Back Your Weakness, Fill Your Life with Power, with Pastor Nelson Jones. Surrender, that's a mouthful. I surrender all. I remember as a kid sitting on uh, actually the organ bench with uh, the, the musician, a, a man that uh, I deeply love even to this day. Um, and a great musician. He was actually a principal in, in, in a high school, and that was his vocation in Edmonton area. And um, I remember at the altar times in the church, at one of the churches that I was exposed to and growing up, and uh, sitting there and singing that song as he would play and sing, and he had this really nice voice too. And uh, people just meeting with God at, at, at the altar. And I remember how that song, and I was young. I mean, I'm talking, you know, at least a decade ago. <laughs> just quit, just quit. And uh, the, the, the impression, those, those phrases leave. And how those phrases throughout life become sort of these governor of choices, almost like a master choice you know, category in which it has governed a lot of choices to fulfill that. Certainly not done anywhere near perfection, but something that God was always able to refresh the challenge in my life with. And that's what I hope happens today for you. When we talk about this word surrender, let me tell you, let me show you how hard it is to surrender. How many here, don't raise your hands, do not even smile at me. Okay, don't give any indication that this is true. How many of you here are in a conflict with somebody that's sitting close to them right now? Do not give any indication that this is true. Okay, now I want you to look at them and say, I just surrender all. How easy is that? It's not easy in this kind of setting to be able to say, I surrender. I surrender is I'm laying down my arms, right? I surrender is uh, maybe I just need to take second place here. I surrender is a very humbling thing in our life. Another thing that's just as difficult as if I was to ask you to turn to your neighbor and to say a phrase like this. Hi, I've never met you before, but I want you to hear my top three weaknesses. Top three. If you want to keep going, keep going. Well, number eight, 1,200, there we go. I want to talk to you first just to bring, lead us into this concept of surrender with the word weakness. The Apostle Paul has, like he has in so much of his writings under the anointing of the Spirit of God, has put complex truths in such simplicity about, out of his life also. He always was attaching it also to his life. So today, take back your weakness. Kind of a strange, kind of a strange statement. Take back your weakness. Hold it, I want to let go of my weakness. In actuality, you have to take it back. Sometimes you have to recognize that the honest journey is the liberating journey. And when we take back weakness, we're acknowledging something very important about ourselves and about God at the same time without maybe fully recognizing that. 
So I've entitled this, Take Back Your Weakness, Fill Your Life with Power. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, look at this scripture. It's a great scripture. It says this, I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. He's referring to a condition. Nobody knows exactly what the condition was that he had. He had a physical condition. It is thought maybe there's an indication that he had some eye issues, eye troubles. This is the man through whom God healed thousands had done an amazing amount of supernatural work in, in a way that was very uh, open for all to see. God used him in great power. But here he is. He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. He said to me, here's what God said to him. My grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. Is that backward or what? My power is made perfect in weakness. How backward is that? That's backward. That's completely backward when you really think about it. I mean, this whole world is on, it runs on a whole different premise. It's my strengths that produce power. You know, there is a kind of a cultural, can we say, theme of uh, value that runs through every culture maybe a little bit differently. Here is one. I, I, I think it attaches quite strongly to Canadian culture and maybe westernized culture and that really my biggest value in life is the fullest expression of me think about that for a sec it's that I would be fully expressed that I would develop all that I am and I would, I would climb every mountain and I would make myself as great as I can be and this kind of theme runs through our culture. Full self-expression of you is not actually the design of God. The design of God is full expression of him. You're the platform for God to be seen, for God to be expressed, for God to reveal himself. Life is not about a great unveiling or a revelation of yourself. In fact, you won't even tell your neighbor three weaknesses. You won't even surrender in a conflict zone very quickly at all. It's gonna take maybe a lot of pain before the surrender will happen. We are so slow on these things. Why? Because we perceive life as a full expression of us. That is not actually what it's about. He continues, listen to his words. He said, my grace is enough for you. The Lord is talking to Paul because power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul's response. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses. Countercultural. Hi, you want to see the full expression of me? Here's my weaknesses. <laughs> I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. People misunderstand that change comes through honesty, through a total reality of, of uh, 
defining ourselves more clearly than, than, than just some expression that looks good or develops who I am that everybody else will celebrate. Therefore, I'm all right with weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What's going on here? Well, I, I got the whiteboard uh, brought out just to show a very, very simple artistic rendition that will be on display for the rest of the year for you. This here is you. Just a circle. You appear on the scene. It's wonderful. Everybody's celebrating. The doctor makes money. You're there and the parents are celebrating and it's good to have you and we're all excited about you and God is excited about you. You don't know what excitement is yet. And as you arrive, arrive on the scene, there's one thing that's typical to every infant is they treat the world as if the world is all about them. Have you noticed that? When they want something, what do they do? All kinds of things. There's all kinds of, of things here. How many here are new parents? Come on, be proud of it. New parents, new parents. Okay, new, how many have children three, oh, three, or, three or under? Okay, nice to see you up and about and alive today. <laughs> when that child comes, that child is absolutely acts out being this circle, this center, and everything around it is there to serve its needs. Has it strategically thought that out? No. It's just the natural human nature reaction. The sad thing is, is that often we take that natural human nature reaction and we take it into our maturing in life. And then we end up with all kinds of issues simply because we haven't left this idea that somehow we are the center of the universe. That it's the full expression of us here that is the most important thing. How many have ever done the potty dance? Every parent recognizes the potty dance, right? You do the potty dance, everyone. I have blocked it out of my mind. The potty dance is when they use the potty. They just... Celebrate the potty dance. What happens in life, though, is that we have other things that start entering our universe. There's other circles that are all of a sudden emerging, like another brother or a sister, or you find out you've got some, and uh, you start to find out that there's, uh, you know, this kind of circle, and then there's this kind of circle, and all of a sudden, all of the circles are just emerging all around you. And then what we learn to do is seek to manipulate these things to continue to serve us at the center. So no matter what circle you drive out here, the strategy is to actually make it serve us. That's the full expression of self. That everything in my life is succumbing to my great personality 
to my wonderful gifts and skills, to my abilities to manipulate and bring the universe into order so that it serves me. Now here's why it doesn't work. Three obvious weaknesses that are going to emerge in your life and be there. The first is uncontrollable circumstances. Uncontrollable circumstances mean you just have things come your way that all of a sudden you just cannot control. It might be economic. It might be uh, something to do as simple with a plane flight delayed or canceled. It might be something about uh, your uh, health. It could be it could be anything to do with the loss of a loved one or a child is not born in the perfect state that you uh, wanted. Something has come that's uncontrolled in your life. And no matter what you do, this new circle will not change. It won't change. You cannot make that plane be on time. You cannot make that, that child absolutely perfect. They're born with that disability. You cannot overcome the unchangeable. You cannot overcome all of these things that come in. You can't overcome that loss. They're gone. You can't overcome it. You can't change it. You can't can't somehow make that not happen. So much of life is already, just through circumstances, starting to leave your control zone. And then there's another area. Uncooperative people. How many have uncooperative? You can raise your hand on this one, okay? You can point. You can do whatever you want. You stand up, dance, do whatever. How many here have uncooperative people in your life? That was beautiful. Okay, now, now we, 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 you know, we, we're going to laugh at this because, but we look at it and we have uncooperative people. What do we mean by uncooperative? If they would only. If they never. Do you recognize any of those phrases? Yeah, maybe the very distant back of your mind, you know. You know why you have uncooperative people? Because they're people. And they've never been made to succumb to your will. They've never been placed in your life so that you can control the process of decision making, the choices, the objectives, that changes they should make or not make. They've not been placed there for you to cause them to cooperate. So now you've got a whole other area of life that as you try to control it, Increases this tension and stress that's coming in life. These are crazy makers in your life. We all have them and all they have to be is just people. You might be the crazy maker because you're trying to think, you actually have a premise that says, I can actually control them this way. If they'd only, if they never, they should have. They could have. Another one that comes along that's extremely uncontrollable is unexplainable pain. So now we got three things in your universe. 
We have circumstances. I think you've got this up here, so I'm not going to bother. You've got circumstances. You've got people. You've got pain. So much in just those three major compartments illustrate our weakness. And if you don't acknowledge it, if you won't take back that weakness and say, I can't control this. You're never going to have the serenity or the peace, and if you don't have that, then you lack strength, and you'll never build joy because you have still live at odds in a war with these uncontrollable things in your life, trying to make them succumb to you and your will. Does anybody recognize their life up here? Don't. Let's turn to a scripture and start finding our way out of this kind of a mess. James 4, 7 says, therefore submit to God. I just want to park it right on that first phrase. Therefore submit to God. Now I'm going to read you the therefore because whenever you see a therefore, right, you're going to look and see what it's there for, what's before this. We'll read it. Therefore submit to God. That's another word for surrender. Surrender. Therefore, surrender to God. Thereby, now you understand the little video that they put up there. There's just certain dynamics that say here, surrender. Surrender to God. Submit to God. Let's read what came before, James 4, 1 to 10. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? You long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. There's different ways to murder according to the Bible, by the way. Anger, hatred, anger, the wrong form, the wrong form, banked anger, banked. It's never been mixed with forgiveness. It's never been mixed with release. These things are different ways to murder. You are jealous for something you can't get. So you struggle and fight. You are jealous for something you can't get. I can't get them to do what I want. I can't get this circumstance where I want it to be. I've worked at it. I've tried everything. I can't seem to get beyond this pain and live outside this pain. And we are looking at the uncontrollable and we're saying, hey, I want to control it all. You don't have to. You don't, I'm sorry, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't have because you ask with evil intentions to waste it on your own cravings. Where's your own cravings emerge? Right from your universe. This is your universe. So you want everything to serve your universe and anything around you to feed into this universe. That's how we are wired. That's how I am wired. That's how you are wired unless we challenge it. This is predictable for every relationship unless it is challenged, unless there is a different form of tactic and we call this surrender. Then he goes on and he says, you unfaithful people, he's talking about relationship to God. You unfaithful people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? The more that you are self-serving to your own universe, that's friendship with the world. And he's saying that puts you into hostility with God. And the reason? 
You can't control all of these things. You're not God. It's hard not to act like him. So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you suppose that scripture is meaningless? Doesn't God long for our faithfulness in the life he has given to us? But he gives us more grace. Oh, I'm so thankful that phrase is in there. This is why it says God stands against the proud but favors the humble. Do you know what that means? Is that whether it is, uh, there's gonna, you, there's gonna be surrender. You will surrender. There, there, it's gonna happen. One, it, 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 it is knowable. There will be a day when the God of all has everybody bowed before him. Now in that day, here's what he's saying. God stands against the proud. You're either going to stand there and then be, be brought to this point of, of, of uh, uh, we would say even this, you're in hostility to God. So you are brought into a surrender though to his power and to his judgment. And then he goes on and he says this, uh, not just in that phrase, he goes to this and he says that, uh, let me find it myself here, then it, but favors the humble. That's mercy. If you humble yourself, he's either gonna bring you mercy because you surrender or you don't. Either way, surrender will be the outcome. Therefore, submit to God. Now we get the Therefore. Therefore, submit to God. He's saying, this should be your first submission because, you see, there is somebody around all of the, the circles of life. There's somebody else that's greater than all of those. Every circle of your life, there's one big circle to all of us, and it is God Almighty, expressed to us through Jesus Christ. And so, this whole universe is his. And when you surrender to him, all of this, now he, you're saying, you're the one in control. I can't control it. I can't control them. I can't control the circumstances. I cannot control the pain. I cannot control these things in my life. God, I'm surrendering to you. And by doing that, everything inside of you is under your control. That's a power of surrender. Because look at what he says. Therefore submit to God, period. Now he says, resist the devil and he will run away. That's interesting. What's he saying? He's saying, even if you go to spiritual authorities, anything with any other authority in here will come into my and under my authority through your surrender. Why is it so hard for us to surrender hurts and habits and hang-ups as CR goes into? Why is it so hard for us to actually begin to surrender, you know, the things that we can't control? Well, we go back to the beginning. And the idea is we just play God 
And that's why there's conflict, that's why there's disputes, and that's why these cravings can ruin our lives and they create wars in our life. I mean, right now, we're seeing uh, a, a war displayed on the screen where one country has invaded another. Doesn't matter where you're at on this. The idea is it falls right, this is why there's war. is because I want this, I'm gonna go get it, and I'll take it in whichever way I need it. But there's all kinds of war. There is war not just between nations. There's war in homes. There's wars in business. There's wars in your community. There's wars all of the time. You are constantly in a state of war. And the key that you want is the power to be able to deal with that. And that doesn't find itself resident in you. It finds it in a surrendered position to him. God's kingdom, let's talk about that. God's kingdom is a really incredible thing. It takes us outside the human understanding of government, nations, kind of um, those. It takes us outside that because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not political. He picked no fight with the politics. It's not a political kingdom. We are not here to set up a theocracy. We are here to be bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live out the kingdom of God. So how do you live out the kingdom of God? Well, first you gotta know what it is. Let's start with this blank for you. God's kingdom is wherever God's will is done. Wherever the king's will is done, that's his kingdom. If it's done in your heart, God's kingdom is in you. If you, if you do that in your home and you are seeking God's kingdom and, and you are practicing that in your home, God's kingdom is in your home, in your business, in your church, in your community. God's kingdom is practiced wherever his will is done. The problem is his will's not done very often. You say, how do I know that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we to pray that? Because God's kingdom is not always done. His will is not always done on earth. In fact, it's rarely done on earth. And that's why we have wars. And that's why we have these conflicts. And that's why we live with the tension of that. And that's why we live lacking power in our lives and in our relationships and, and, and in the, just taking and living out the best of God that, that God would bring in and through us into this world simply because we're in a place where his will is not being done. Change that. That's what he's advocating in James here as we read. He's saying, Submit. Change it. Don't be like we just talked about. Don't be, make it all about you. Don't make life you expressing yourself. Make life you expressing him and your surrender and submission to him. Much of this planet is filled with the wrong wills being done. And there is a conflict with God. God's will is peaceable and pure 
It's righteous. It's, it, 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 it's, it's with, filled with love. It's filled with grace. God's will is that wherever he is in charge, he's going to bring all the grace you need. He's going to bring the love you need in that. He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring joy. He's going to bring that because he's in charge. But the only way he's in charge is when we, in, in this phase, is when we surrender. What do you need to surrender? What needs to be brought into surrender to him? Let me give you four key surrenders that will result in God's power in your life. The first surrender we've already been talking about a lot, which is control. Surrender control. This is a hard one. Psalm 4610, if I quoted it the way that you'd normally heard it, it would be, be still and know that I am God. But here's a great rendition of it. That's enough. Now know that I am God. Have you ever said that to your kid? Not that you're God, but that's enough. Now know that you're gonna, that's enough. In a sense, God is saying, that's enough. Why do you want to conflict with me? Why do you want to be at war with me in this? You can trust me. I'll bring nothing but good to you. And your inability and your refusal to surrender tells me that you don't trust me. You only trust yourself and your own actions and your own decisions. And that's why it's so hard to give up control. It's because we want to be in control of our own needs, just like we read in James 1 through 6. It's an issue of trust. Can you trust God's goodness, would you? Can you trust that he really does have your best interests at heart? Is it possible for you to step beyond you controlling your best interests into, I trust you. I trust you because you can look after my interests far better than I can look after my interests. I can only be like an infant seeking to play a game of control different things around me that I want to fit into my life this way. And I lose at this and I create a lot of conflict and I create a lot of wars and I'm at war with a lot of things in my life. Basic issue, you're not trusting he who is the big circle. Trust is the basis of surrendering control. He says, to follow up on that verse, I am exalted among all nations, I am exalted throughout the world. He's just saying, guys, all of this, your little universe, you seeking to control all these little diodes around you, I'm telling you right now, you just need to surrender to me and all this stuff, I got. But if you want to stay in the fight, battling for your own interest, for what you want, you want to play the will game and you want to be in charge, that's your deal. But these uncontrollables should tell you that this is a losing game. Second, surrender to contentment's lessons. Contentment is not just this nice, warm feeling of, oh. Contentment is this power of this sense of satisfaction that mitigates and makes desires healthy. 
Contentment allows me to have desires, but not have desires to have me. Contentment allows me not to be driven by the things that seem to control these little universes that I wish. Contentment is something that I can release these things that I can't control anyway. And I can live with this sense of peace and satisfaction. Listen to Philippians 4.11. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. First thing you want to notice, it's learned. It's learned. You learn contentment. You see, we don't start off content. You know, I've heard people say, oh, that's such a contented baby. What that means uh, uh, is that their discontent is not quite showing up yet. Amen. Do you understand that? So you might have got a little better response when they're infants and they let you sleep more than four hours at a time or two hours or some of you, you don't even know what that is anymore. There is this beautiful sense though of contentment with God that allows us to mature. For you to mature, you can't remain in discontent situation because that will push you and feed control in these areas. Contentment's a wonderful release. Do you know how much influence advertisements would have on you if you were content? How many of you here have ever just eaten a meal and you're watching something on TV and they bring on the most wonderful fast food in their advertisement and you're really full? How much attraction is there? Hopefully not much. If there is, whoa, okay, we need to talk. So you're full, you're just like, uh, not, not interested, I'm full. Not interested, I'm full. But how many of you have ever gone shopping on an empty stomach? How many know that is a big mistake? Isn't it? You, you, how many take the kids to Costco so they can feed on the appies? Guilty, 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 guilty. If you go shopping on a hung, Linda, she doesn't like me grocery shopping with her. Not for the reason you think. You think I'm saying, no, we can't buy that. No, I'm saying, oh, that looks good. Oh, that, oh, one of those looks good. Because I usually go with her when I'm hungry. This is a huge mistake. How many of you have ever sat down to a dinner table, you looked at what was on the dinner table and said, why are all these other seven people here? I can eat all this myself. (laughs) When you are not content, what you see out here will drive you. Now that goes for a lot in life, but contentment is learned behavior. And it is a choice that you make. It's moving out of intimacy, I'm sorry, out of infancy and into something that's much, much more mature in how you interact with all of these different circles and then how you relate to the unchangeable, uncontrollable things of life. Listen to the rest of his verse on this. I know the experience of being in need and having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content. See that word secret? 
You know what the secret is to a, a healthy financial budget? It's contentment. Do you know why you have a financial? How come I have to talk about all the hard stuff? Do you know why you have a financial issue? You lack contentment. You can't, yeah, no matter what budget, anybody, oh, we're gonna go and sit down, we got the accountant, we, got, we finally have, even an accountant has helped us draw up a budget. You won't stick with it. Contentment. Contentment's power in your life. It's a good thing in your life. So if you wanna really get some power in your life, you want God's power to really radiate through your life, then you have to learn to be content. Continue in this verse. I know the experience of being in need and having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor. He's saying, I've learned how not to let hunger take control of my contentment or fullness take control of my contentment. He goes into this. I can endure, here's what he learned. Here's the secret. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Well, who gives him strength? We already read it earlier. I glory in my weaknesses, then I got my power that I need from him. Because you see, he's saying the surrendered state, when I surrender, when I submit to God, when humbleness has worked its magic of submission and surrender, and I've stepped out of my own godhood, I have stepped out of my infancy. When we learn this power of surrender, and we start learning things like contentment, oh my gosh. Now some of you, you start measuring your contentment in some areas where you're strong. That's a mistake. Because where you start measuring contentment is not where you're strong, you measure it where you're weak. Remember, what did Paul say? I glory in my weaknesses. Because you need to learn contentment somewhere in your life that right now is keeping you as an infant and it can really speak disastrous stuff like we read in James 1 or 4, 1 through 6 and it can speak disastrous stuff into our life largely because we have not learned and are choosing this growth of contentment in our life. Next, third, surrender plans. How many have ever made a plan with more than three elements in it that it turned out exactly the way you planned? And if you say, I have, well, how about four elements? Let's just increase the elements. Again, it illustrates our weakness. It illustrates our limitations. It illustrates our need for God. Your weakness says release God's power because it, it, it illustrates, it makes it very plain to you that you need God. Now right now other people, if it's not plain to you, I want you to know something. That there's a lot of people around you that know that you need God. Because they can see your weaknesses. You need God. 
surrender plans. Matthew 6, 33, but first be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. Not some crazy self-expression life that I'm gonna live my life learning how to express and more fully express who I am. Oh my gosh. What a losing end that's gonna lead you down. You realize that we have more things than ever before and yet we're the most discontented generation? Then all these things will be provided for you. First be concerned about his kingdom. First be concerned about his kingdom. And where is his kingdom? Wherever his will is done. And how can his will be done? Only through your surrender. Surrender produces the kingdom because his will can be done. Once his will is done, then you have been first concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval because he's the king. Then all of these things will be added unto you. Now you can start to form healthy things in life with all of these circles. Now you can form healthy relationships, for instance. So the more you move out from your own power center, you you lose, can I put it this way, sovereignty. You lose power. You are moving out from your throne room. And the closer you move to these other circles, the only thing you've got is partnerships emerging. Some influence that comes because you've learned how to love others first, love God first. Do you notice that God himself, uh, Jesus said, here's the two great commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. Okay. Then he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's saying, do not put yourself above your neighbor. I can just reverse it and say, don't put yourself above your neighbor. So he's saying as you move out from your center, your sovereignty's dropping off. And you are now conform these kind of connections that are healthy. They're in shared space. This is all a shared space. And it's healthy if you have surrendered to the Lord, you can turn this into this instead of a war zone. You want a war zone? It's easy. Focus on you. Okay, anybody having fun yet? James 4.15, it's a business scripture. Just the verses before it's saying, you know, like there's these guys that are saying, you know, right now we're gonna, let's say, you know, leave here, go do business in that city for a year, and then we're gonna do that. And it's like they're just making their plans, right? They're just doing their deal. And then all of a sudden it comes to this. Here's what you ought to, he says, don't be like them. He's saying, here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, what does that mean? If he's sovereign, if his kingdom, if his kingdom is truly the one that you're serving because you've surrendered to his will. Wherever God's will is done is where his kingdom is. So if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. See, they were just making business plans, and it seems like the most normal thing in the world to do, but they were doing it without any concept of the kingdom of God or the will of God or that they should be surrendered to God. So what's in charge? Their own interests, and only their own interests. And they are protecting them. They are the ones developing them. They are the ones pushing them. God's interests are not first. That's why he says it this way. 
here's what you ought to say if the Lord wills. We will live and do this or that. Lastly, fourth, here's the fourth thing. This is the fourth one we'll talk about, surrender. Surrender your future. Well, this is, this is not an easy scripture. Actually, I'd wanted James 4, 13 through 14, which, which I've just reflected to you, where these two business guys are just saying, we should just go to this city, stay a year, build the business, move on. I think one of the hardest things to do is to surrender your future. If you don't surrender your future, do not pretend that you are walking in God's will in the present. You can't walk in God's will in the present and be learning the things we've talked about where his kingdom and his will is truly the thing that is leading your life and then in any way not be willing to surrender your future. Your future lies in his hands. James 4.13 talks about this through 14. All through scripture, read in the Lord's Sermon, on the mount. Talks about take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Focus here. Why does he do that? It's a trust thing. If you're gonna follow me, you gotta trust. I know it's hard to trust your future uh, to me. I know it's hard to trust your plans to me. I know it's hard to trust your, your contentment and that I have your best interests and to, to take your needs and your interests and then surrender them to me. I know that that's hard. And I know that it's hard to surrender control of your own universe, but you don't have it anyway. And the most logical math is to say, wake up and say, these are war zones. And I need to surrender to him. So where do you need to surrender today? I know I'm going to have my areas and I know you're going to have your areas. Maybe they're common. Well, we'll share many common areas. But here's what I know about surrender. It is not a one-time thing. It is a lifestyle of practice and the thing that slips away from seasoned Christians the most is their surrender. Yesterday is not good enough for today. And it's certainly not good enough for tomorrow. So when it comes to surrender, there is this beautiful opportunity for you to step outside of war zones and to surrender these things to him so that his will can truly be leading your life. It may be in your relationships, maybe some very close relationships. Surrender to God first. Let's stand together. Such a misunderstood word. The thing that ends wars is not some idea of some peace that just gets dropped on you. 
The thing that ends wars is in the human heart. That's what James 4, 1 to 6 is telling us. Where your decisions are made. Where my decisions are made. And that's why he comes down to that final simple phrase. Submit yourselves to God. So, you may have been a believer for many decades. That, that's wonderful. But if you want God's power, then you find it through your weakness. And your weakness can only bring you to the obvious position of saying, I need to surrender because I don't have the ability, I don't have the strength, I don't have the power. It's yours, I don't have it. I surrender. Surrender is where conflict ends. That's where peace comes from. That's when wars end. So wherever your stress, your tension, all of these things are peaking in your life right now, I would just point you right back to this principle. You want God's kingdom in your life. You do that through what? Number one, what do we do first? We submit ourselves to Jesus Christ by receiving him as our Lord and Savior and we surrender our sins and our battles with God that we would be our own God and do our own thing and we receive his lordship and his mercy and his forgiveness for the way we have been. And then begins this wonderful journey that surrender now can continue in your life. And now where there's been pain and disconnection and all of the things that you and I go through in these circles that come to challenge us, our own little godhoods, and we can't seem to control all of this stuff and we live a life trying to learn how to control things when we feel out of control, all we do is double down on trying to control. Or we get to the, I just give up, I'm just give up, I'm shutting this one out, I'm What's the way out of these situations? Surrender. There is one that has all of your universe easily contained. He's got the wisdom you need. He's got the power you need. He's got everything you need. It's very simple. I didn't say it's easy. I said very simple to understand. So as we bow in a word of prayer and close today, uh, I will give an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus Christ, maybe you're watching online today, um, here, surrender. Receive Jesus Christ. Your sins are sinking you. You need Jesus. He's the only one that can open the way to the Father. He's the only one who came for you and died for you. Receive Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here today, you may have walked with God for many decades. That's good. But have you known God's power? Is your life still expanding? Is his kingdom getting larger through you? In your families, in your friendships, in your relationships? Is it, is it just, is it getting bigger? Because surrender is not a one-time thing here now. Because my will constantly wants to control these circles. 
Father, as we bow our heads before you, it's with a humility that I hope is fresh in my life and shared with many here. A humility that just steps a bit back from our core universe, which often is us and not you. Father, we acknowledge this battle we have with you. We acknowledge, God, that this battle goes on and on and on. We acknowledge that there's times where we have really surrendered and then there's times where new challenges, new circles emerge. And we have to learn how to surrender those. There are things in our life right now, Lord, where our connection to these other circles in our life, they're getting back into war state. We haven't been able to keep it in a good state. We need to surrender to you. We want to take the pain that's unexplainable. We just can't seem to sort it out. It confuses us. But Lord, it's there. We want to take that pain, Lord, and we want to actually just surrender to you and say, God, we give you this. It's our, it's our mess ups. We do this stuff. Or it's just life that comes our way. These circumstances, oh God, that have come out of almost nowhere, these circumstances that we would never have invited, we didn't write them in our own scripts, they just have come in life's script. Oh God, we just give them to you. Lord, we give people in our life to you. We Oh, Lord, why, why, why do we, we, we can't even control ourselves, talk about really control anybody else, but God, we try. Forgive us. May we respect the boundaries that are beautiful between all of us. And as independence before you, let the decisions be made and the lives be walked. Lord, we just surrender the people in our life that we desire so much to control. We want the wars to end. In Christ's name we pray this. If you've never received Jesus, here's a little prayer you can borrow from me, just in your own heart. You can talk to him about this and you'd say something like this. I'm throwing up the surrender flag, Lord. I have definitely been at war with you. And I don't want to fight you anymore. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior because I need him. I accept his forgiveness because I need it. I accept his gift of mercy because I need it. And I ask that you would wash me from my sins and give me a brand new start. And every day that I get to open my eyes to the world you have placed me in, I will seek to learn to be surrendered so that your kingdom will reign in my heart so that your kingdom can influence and impact my world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.